0: Movies and booze
1: on Moncrief. Brought to you by
0: Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl, more for you.
1: Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie.
0: Yep, time for the best part of the week. And that is Movies and Booze. And I'm delighted to say we're joined by Esther McCarthy, Jean Smullen, and Fanula Jones. Um, How are we all today? All good?
2: Very good. Hello, Tom. Happy Easter to you.
0: Happy Easter to you, Jean. Oh, There's no spiders time. listening to you there. Are oh, you good, Esther, as well? Oh, you're good.
3: Uh, enjoying the sunshine, <laughs> thank God.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful, if a little bit cold. Um, so, Esther, what, what movies are we looking at today?
1: It's a busy week, actually, for new films. Um, you've got The Mauritanian, um, which is really good. We'll try and squeeze in a mention on that, if possible. But we'll, we'll be doing full reviews of um, Godzilla versus Kong. A proper creature feature, Tom, I'm at the stage of the pandemic where we're starting to miss the brainless, no- noisy, body movies that I usually criticise throughout the summer. Um, but this is a proper blockbuster. And uh, we've also got, I suppose, a little film that's um, making a lot of noise, though. It's a little film called Minari. It's a American-Korean co-production. And I, like many people who have seen it, am in love
0: saw a little trailer for it. It looks like it's very powerful and very moving. It's just um, gorgeous.
1: Like, like, yeah, it's about the kind of pursuit of the American dream and about a, a Korean family who've already moved to America, but are, are trying to seek a better life for themselves. And, you know, it really reminded me of, um, in to my mind, maybe Jim Sheridan's most underrated film, which is In America, you know, the Irish know this story because In America was based on, on Sheridan's own family, of course, and them moving to New York in, in the 80s and trying to build a better life for themselves as well in, in trying circumstances. So it's a kind of a universal story. But I think when it's well done, it can be really
0: powerful. It looks beautiful. Um, also, Kong versus Godzilla. I do think I'm going to be able to sell that to my family. Um, Audrey is allergic to, I think, science fiction. So the idea of an ape attacking Godzilla, I, that sounds like a hard one for me to get over the line.
1: I mean, there's a lot of bulk and, and exposition and chat in this, but we're really just watching it to watch the two monsters lamping each other, aren't we?
0: <laughs> That's, uh, I. I've more chance again to watch a double episode of Match of the Day, but we'll see. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> it's not bad she, actually. It's not bad. All right. Okay, I look forward to it. Uh, Jean, um, what are we going to... Well, I say what are we going to be drinking today, but what are you going to be drinking today, Jean? I
2: know, it would be lovely if we could all be drinking together. Um, Well, it's Easter weekend, obviously, and no matter whether you're on your own or um, with family, everybody's going to cook something, a big meal this weekend, most likely on Sunday. And they'll push the boat out and buy something special. So I picked two red wines that'll go with pretty well anything, be it meat or vegetarian or fish. And uh, one comes from Austria and the other one comes from Australia. So we'll be looking at those uh, this afternoon.
0: Look forward to that. And uh Finula, when we're looking at um stories. Can I can I ask you about one that's kinda of caught my attention and it's Madonna and her screenwriter Diablo Cody. And kind of Madonna's on my mind this because of those photographs. I presume you saw them, Fanula.
3: I was just about to say, yeah, uh, she's had a strange week to say the least, between the photoshopping and the weird social media usage. But anyway, she is Madonna. She's not one to be told. But yeah, as you said, uh, screenwriter Diablo Cody, she's after uh, quitting the uh, biopic that's being based on Madonna. Um, seemingly, there were some challenges, the pair working together. I think Madonna is being very, very careful about how she's being portrayed in this. And Diablo basically just said that she was looking for more freedom and wanted to make it work, but ultimately decided she couldn't contribute anymore. Um, Madonna has said, I think they're trying to make this that it's kind of like rocket man-esque in terms of success and Madonna keeps coming back to it's going to be all about the music or whatever but I can imagine as we've seen with pop stars and even when we've been talking about recently with the likes of Britney Spears or whatever I can imagine and understand to be honest why um, she would want to be very precious about her story being told but it's a shame because Diablo Cody is amazing if you look at the other work she's done um, screenwriter for Juno and obviously won an Oscar for that. Um, was nominated for a Tony last year for Jag Little Pill, uh, the musical, which is amazing. So, yeah, very interested. There's no release date or name or kind of any other idea as to what this uh, biopic is going to look like. But, yeah, I'm kind of hoping Madonna pulls back a small bit so that we can have maybe a fuller fleshed picture. But I can't see that happening because, again, she's Madonna. Right.
0: so. Yeah, she does have a reputation, doesn't she, She has been kind of controlling and, you know, very, very slow to give away any kind of um, control over her career, how she's perceived.
3: Yeah, and she says it like she says herself, she's a perfectionist, which I get. But I mean, with that, I think you can end up getting a very one dimensional story and movie in the end. So I don't know, like people are going to watch it regardless again because it's Madonna. So I don't think it really matters, but I can imagine I wouldn't want to be on that set. Let's just
0: put it like that. No, nor would I. No, I'd be afraid of her to tell the absolute truth. Um, I was even afraid of her <laughs> in the photograph to tell <laughs> the truth. Um, so people were, people were very taken by the fact that she had pseudocrem in the background.
2: Um, yeah, I never was like,
3: what, what could she need it for? But sure, pseudocremes for everything. But like, I, I enjoyed seeing that because I was like, oh, it's one thing I have in common with Madonna. And they're probably the only thing, so. <laughs>
0: 62 though um, in those photographs and I keep coming back to, she's a vegan, you know Paul McCartney was photographed going around yachting somewhere around the world on his own, he's well into his 70s. This veganism thing keep you alive forever.
3: They could be on to something Tom, they could be on to something, who
0: knows. Oh, yeah, I wonder if they're having movies and booze of a Friday, that's the question <laughs> um, for them. Um, I do have a question coming in. uh, Let me see now for you, Esther. And um, people are asking of all the Oscar contenders. What would you recommend to watch planning a bit of a movie binge this weekend? Asks Martin.
1: Oh, gosh. Um, Well, Minari is up for six nominations and it's uh, really lovely. Um, There's yeah, there's a good few in there. Can I can I have a look at the nominees, Tom? We'll get back to that one. Is that okay?
0: All right. Yeah, that sounds good Uh, while you're doing that. yeah, Jean, I'll ask you a question. Oh, I like the looks of this one. Um, I'm a pescatarian. Uh, I was a pescatarian for about six months last year. It didn't last. Um, I was trying to become vegan, but I just didn't have the nerve. Um, and I know that white wine is usually recommended with fish, but I just don't like white wine. Could could Jean recommend some red wines that are good with fish, like all fish, particularly meaty fish like tuna and swordfish, it Looks strong Spanish wines. She usually raises some eyebrows from waiters when I place my order. Any suggestions?
2: Well, even the first wine we're going to be doing today, the Blau Frankisch from Austria, um, is it will will go with fish, particularly something like swordfish. But what you're looking for is light style uh, red wines, red wine with quite a lot of acidity that hasn't got too much tannin structure. And you know, um you those lighter wine styles, you could go for Pinot Noir, and um, that tends to give you a much lighter wine style. You could go for Beaujolais. Um, And quite quite a lot of Italian reds can be quite acidic, um, but, you know, don't don't go for the big ones like Barolo or anything. You need something kind of very, very light. Um, Maybe not Italy. No, maybe not Italy. Maybe, um, yeah, I probably stay away from Italy. But um, uh, Chilean Pinot Noir or uh, something from Burgundy, Um, you know, those lighter red styles definitely go much better with fish.
0: OK, I have another question for you while I have you. Do boxes of wine last longer than bottles? I bought a box of wine about ten days, ago and had it last night. night. Last night it tasted fine, but on this I wouldn't have the most refined palate. Can it go off? Can it make you ill?
2: Not at all, no. Um, but the, the thing is in Ireland that box wine, which is huge in countries like Scandinav- in Scandinavian countries, countries like Sweden and Finland, uh, they're the biggest market in the world for box wines. When box wines first came out in the 1970s, the Irish thought they were cheap. You know, oh, buy a wine in a box, no, it has to be in a bottle. And it ju- they just never bought into it. And that's the only no. reason that we haven't kind of had the following for wine in a box that they do in the Scandinavian countries. But nowadays, with so many there's wine in cans, there's wine in Tetra Pak. Wine is coming in all sorts of um, packaging now, and it's all about, you know, saving the planet and all about trying to uh, recycle stuff and trying to ship wines that are in in a less weighty way. So um, box wine, they have a, a kind of a, a, um, a bladder, for want of a better word. In the, in, the, in the you know, it's it, it's basically. The wine is put in this silver foil bag that actually is airtight. So those wines in those boxes can last as long as you as long as you can keep your hands from drinking them, and they can last for um an, a number of weeks after you've um uh, you first um, uh, cracked them open. So um yeah, you should be fine. And no, they won't do anything. Look, wine is an agricultural product. It's a product that people ingest. There's so much legislation in place all over the world, because basically, if anybody drank wine and it made them sick, well, by God, there'd be lawsuits flying left, right and center. So trust me, you'll be fine.
0: Right. I still think we're a long way away from sitting down to a a posh dinner party and and finding a box of wine on the table, Esther. Oh, yeah, I know. I
2: don't think that's, yeah, I know. It's just the Irish mentality, you know what I mean? (gasps) You know, it's like there was always the good room and the good silver and the good glasses, you know. I mean, my grandmother, like there was a a drawing room that was never used except for once a year at Christmas, you know. I mean, that was just always the mentality, you know, the parlour. You know what I mean? And, so, and the,
0: the, the box of wine is up there with that. Oh, um, uh, the box so of listen, wine
2: is up there. Yeah,
0: there. <laughs> We're going to take your first wine. What are you going to start us with?
2: Right. Sure. Now, I, I just wanted to Austria. I have had a love affair with Austrian wines for a long time. My very first wine fair that I ever attended was an Austrian wine fair in 1992, which took place in the Shelburne. And we met all these Austrian producers and afterwards we dragged them up to Nesbitt's for a pint and we ended up in Le Cave, which is still one of my favorite wine bars in the Uh, world, where everyone maxed their credit, well not me, the Austrians did, they maxed their credit card on amazing Bordeaux that Margaret had on the list and still does. I mean, I I remember drinking things like Leoville Barton that night. Friendships were the forms that night that still last today. Hey. And I am so lucky because the Austrian Wine Marketing Board still invite me over. I've visited there so many times in the last 30 years. I've gone to Wienem, which is their big wine fair. Um, I've visited every wine region in Austria. I've met so many of the producers. But this particular wine is made by a guy called Erwin Tinhoff. And Erwin was the guy, one of the Austrian producers that night back in 92, who was led astray by us all. There was a whole gang of us from the wine trade and there was a whole gang of them from the Austrian wine industry and we had such crack. And over the years, whenever I go to Austria, to the big wine fairs, I always bump into Irvin, and the two of us always have a great chat and a glass of wine together. So it's a friendship that's just still, like you were talking about friends earlier on, it's just one of those, mm. we only meet each other once every couple of years, but we always have a great laugh and pick up the conversation practically where we left it off. Uh, so when great. I found out that his wine were now available in Ireland, I was absolutely delighted. So his wines are brought in by honest-to-goodness wines, or, you know, they they, they, they shorten that, it's H2G Wines, right? And they sell them online on their new website. But they're also, a, they have a wine shop in Glasnevin um, Market on a Saturday where you can buy the wines. Um, Irvin's Wines, you'll also, they're in the independent off licenses. baggot Street Wines, Clontarf Wines, Red Ireland out in Skerries. Um, Little Greengrocers in Kilkenny, Ardkeen in Waterford, you know, that that sort of shop. So what I picked for uh, today, our first wine, is Irvine, the 2017 Tinhoff Blaufrankisch. Now, this is 2350. This comes from Bergenland, which is one of Austria's best known red wine regions. It was once part of Hungary up until 1920. It's in Eastern Austrian. And, you know, um, it's it's an ancient Roman province, and there's a very warm, what they call the Pannonian climate, because it's in what's known as the Pannonian Plain. And this is where Austria shows off its red wine prowess. Now, I was lucky enough to visit this region in 2015 and taste so many amazing red wines. There's four DAC regions, that's just the regionals, and this one comes from Leiteberg. Now, um... The grape that it's made from is called Blau Frankish, and it's a grape that originated in Slovenia as far as they know. It's, it, it's called also called Limburger and um, it's got different names in different countries in Europe. It's a late ripening black grape, but it's just fascinating. It ages well. It shows its terroir. It works well when it's aged in oak barrels and it has great complexity. Now, Leiderberg, where, where irvin's winery is 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 near the shores of Lake noisesle and which is a big tourist area as well absolutely beautiful And when, when we can all get on airplanes again, again I definitely recommend it as a place to visit and um, but the soil here it's they've got oh it's it's it's, it's, it's a, they've limestone slate and a lot of the vineyards are fairly near to the, to the lake, so it's, it's, it's kind of a little meso climate that's quite warm, so hence the red wine does so well here. Um, and Irvin is the 11th generation of his family to make wine, and you know what? His kids are now making it. They're now running the business. Wow. God, I feel old at this stage. So anyway, this is a five-year-old wine. It's quite full bodies and complex, but it's a lighter style. It's, it it, it, it you know, it it'll go well with a broad range of food styles. On the nose, it's actually, there's lots of black cherry showing through on the nose. Um, but when you try it.
0: That's got, the sound of Jean trying it.
2: Oh. It's well, it's well to hear
0: someone doing it.
2: Oh, black cherry fruit. Um, a lovely development. And actually quite a savoury finish. It's gorgeous. It's got that umani, umami showing through. So. Roast lamb, perfect with this. Uh, if you want to have a, swordfish or tuna, perfect. And if you're veggie, roasted vegetable in a spicy sauce, this will be big, this will be, be light enough to be able to handle all those earthy flavors. So it's the Tinhof Blaufrankisch 2350 from Bergenland, from the DAC Leiteberg in Austria. And I just highly recommend it. And you'll get it on www.h2gwines.ie.
0: You've painted a beautiful picture, Jean. Thank you very much for that. We'll get our second one a little bit later on. The hashtag today is Last Supper Movies for the day that is in it. And I'll give you a few of those now. Uh, Chalice in Wonderland, Broke Bread Mountain, The Life of Brian, B-R-I-A-N-E, Along Came Punches, uh, The Da Vinci Cod, and then the one that has the uh, burn in hell quality to it. How to lose a guy in three days. Oh man, of was life. Um, Esther, what are we going to be talking about after the break?
1: You know what? It's been ages since we had a big, noisy blockbuster, a brand new one. So let's do uh, Godzilla versus Kong, will we?
0: Great stuff. Godzilla's coming up after this. Yes. Uh, uh, Tom, I'm with you for All the my Show. Show today, standing here for Sean. I'm joined by Esther McCarthy, Jean Smullen and Anthony Jones. Um, That was a clip from Kong versus Godzilla. And uh, Esther, off you go. Uh, this doesn't sound preposterous at all. Tell us more.
1: Very, very rich in nuance and dialogue, as you can tell there from that clip. Yes. <laughs> you know what? Used to come out of press screenings films like that, or especially Michael Bay films, going that was so bloody noisy, and now I miss it so much. I'm yearning for that surround sound again at the cinema. Um, but this is, yeah, this is a proper, proper big um summer blockbuster, the likes of which we haven't really seen much of in the last year. Um, and the interesting thing about it is like the nerves were shot in the movie industry late last year when warner basically said they were going to re release all of their movies for 2021 online at the same time as cinemas regardless of whether they were open or not and i think what's interesting here is um this performed really really well and it's opening day in the us where some cities do have cinemas open now so i think it's okay. going to be interesting to see what model what release model comes out of all this because even though it was available to view at home um, the movie had by far the biggest opening day um, where cinemas were open. So beating the likes of um, Tenet and Wonder Woman 1984. So I just think this is the kind of film that people want to collectively watch in a movie theater together, you know. Um, yeah. So what you have here is Adam Wingard is directing. Um, and it's really good because... I was a bit worried about him being on board uh, as a director because he made the Blair Witch sequel sequel about four years ago and it wasn't very good. But he does have a pedigree as a horror director, so kind of feeds into the action here. Um, But you'll want to know what what's peeved Godzilla and Kong, Tom, won't you? You want to know what's going on here? I will, but I will have
0: one or two other (laughs) questions like what has Kong got? You know, what does Kong bring to the table in terms of bringing Godzilla down? that a nuclear aircraft carrier doesn't? (laughs) Uh, That
1: is a very good question. Well, first of all, if you think it was a mismatch, um, basically, the story is Kong is ginormous now. He's as big as Godzilla. In fact, um, they're wor- they're concerned about Skull Island no longer being big enough for him, and they're they're kind of in the process of moving him when the first kind of spectacular action sequence happens at sea, and it's really great. Um, so, like as you'll know, uh, Godzilla has traditionally been a protector of Earth even if many humans are terrified of them and it takes a bit of convincing for them. Um, But he starts to, you know, our first uh, awareness of him is he starts to kind of uncharacteristically start attacking cities. Um, It's not long before Kong, I suppose, finds himself being attacked by Godzilla in um, that really spectacular sequence at sea. It's really great. Um, I'm not going to go into too much why, but... Uh, team okay. Godzilla, Fear, and, and people who've seen the last Godzilla movie and Skull Island will know about um, Apex Industries, They're, you know, it's a big massive tech company which is now being run by a guy called the name of Walter Simmons, who's Damien Bashir. Um, so they may or may not be involved in what's going on between the two of them here. Uh, All right. So, yeah, he's-
0: A, a, few, so a few listeners- Go on. Sorry, yeah.
1: go on. You go ahead. Go ahead.
0: She just asking, is, is it a, a kids movie or is it an adults movie or is it a kids and adults movie?
1: Uh, it is a family. It's a family blockbuster, okay. you know. I mean, smaller kids might be afraid by some of the scenes, but there's nothing inappropriate here, like I would say, 12 year olds and, and up right up to, to adult age is probably the perfect age group for this. Um, but anyway, so that, that face off happens and we find out that Kong you know, you know Kong has traditionally always had a, a relationship ever since that classic black and white film with a human being. And this time it's with a young girl named Gia. And it's a nice touch because she's an orphan and she, like him, is the last in her line, uh, but she's also deaf. So she communicates with Kong via sign language. And then she is also very close to um, Rebecca Hall's character, Eileen Andrews, who's working for the government monster research organization, best known, of course, as Monarch. Um, Madison, who's played by Bobby Brown, returning here, is is involved in that as well. And her dad, Mark, who's played by Kyle Chandler, is also involved in um, in Monarch. So that's kind of what's going on. Uh, Alexander Skarsgard pops up as this kind of. Discredited geologist by the name of Nathan Lind, who is asked by Apex um, to find this mysterious place, as you'll know, was referenced in the other films um, called Hollow Earth, and this is based on like a, an ancient theory that um, the, the center of the Earth is hollow and there's a whole other world existing within it, and that oh. it, it has a it has a bit of fun with that. I um, love that. It's, yeah, it's decently. I love that idea. For, That's.
0: Journey to the yeah. centre of the earth stuff, you know, we just love the yeah, idea of this absolutely. Of stuff. absolutely. And are, it's examined are these available? here. Are these available to actually watch over the weekend? Do you know?
1: Yeah, it's out today. You pay proper um, rental price for it. It'll cost you around about 17 99 depending on where you access it. And it's available okay. on Sky, Store and Google Play. So, you know, there's a lot of storyline though, as you can hear from what I was saying yeah. there. And it does feel overstuffed at some at times. It's very much three star to my mind. The storytelling's a bit convoluted, but the action sequences, the face offs between the two monsters are fantastic and they're contextualized really well in, in you know, with the risks to the human characters involved okay. as well. So it's pretty daft uh, in premise, but it's a real a real crowd pleaser, I would say.
0: I may try and give it a go over the weekend. It'll probably mean divorce from my wife, and then one of the children probably need therapy afterwards. But apart from that, I'll give it a go. Um, Fanul, I have to ask you, um, because there's a lot of talk about the Oscars and the nominations, and one film, Judas and the Black Messiah, has made history on March 15th with loads of Oscar nominations. But the producer of that, he's he's declining the Academy of Motion's uh, invitation to become a member. What's going on there?
3: Yeah, so this is uh, Ryan Coogler, and I uh, I watched you about Black Messiah last weekend. Incredible, if anyone hasn't watched it. Um, yeah, basically, he was offered an invitation to become a member in 2016, and uh, in an interview that he did with The Hollywood Reporter this week, he said it was extended again, but he basically isn't interested. Um, he said he loves movies, and um, for me, that's good enough. He didn't want to be a part of an organization that's going to be labor unions, And he just he understands that like these kind of being a part of these things bring exposure to things, but he just didn't have any interest. And as you said there, he's a part of a history making team himself, uh, Shaka King and Charles D King. And they're the first all black producing team to be nominated for Best Picture with Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, So yeah, interesting to see. And I wonder is there going to be kind of more of this given uh, the criticism that the Academy has gotten in terms of diversity and representation. I would imagine this is kind of the start of it of people um, pulling back. But who knows? Like, it's hard when you have such a big movie like this nominated as well. And I would imagine Daniel cluya or, or I, it would be between him and Lakeith Steadman for Best Actor with this. And um, they're nominated in the same category. Very, really? very hard to choose between them. Un- and incredible good? performances. Like, Esther will attest yeah. I think she spoke about it over the last few weeks. I feel like it's going to be very, very hard to differentiate because they were just so so good which is the struggle of them being in the same category but yeah, yeah it might take a bit of the heat off the academy in terms of them being very whitewashed but yeah like ryan coogler is not the only one i would imagine this is might start a domino effect because he's very well respected in the
0: industry right now is he doing that i'm just getting get confused is he doing it because he does because he's, he's making a protest about how how white the oscars have been or is it that he thinks he doesn't believe in lists he doesn't believe in comparing one film to another
3: I think it's a bit of both though. I think it's the whole idea no, right. that like he knows that that like black work isn't elevated to the point where it should be because of these uh, structures that are upheld by these like white critics and whatever else. I think it's sure. a bit of both. Sure.
0: Alright, fair enough. Uh, we've one more wine and one more movie to come. We're going to have a quick break first. You're very welcome back. You're listening to Simone creep Show on Newstalk 106 208. Tom Dunn with you until 4pm. One more wine, one more movie to go. But the hashtag today is Last Supper Movies and a few of those coming in at the moment. Uh, there's something about Mary Magdalene, House of the Rising Sun, S-O-N, Sun. Fasted and furious, the good, the bad and the judgy. I know, I know what Judas did last supper. 12 hungry men and Jesus punches pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> He's just not that. <laughs> Try this again, Tom. He's just not that eucharist oh, that's really hard to pull off he's, he's trying to play on just not into you but it's hard to do um esther i'm hearing a few good words on boxes of wine i better point out here um one of our listeners diane saying we got into boxed wine whilst on our many holidays in france without shopping we went into a kitchenware shop and saw a lovely decorative bowl that you put the bladder from the box into and it has a hole at the top it's insulated to keep the wine cold and it looks lovely on the dinner table. A real talking point when we have people over, Diane. So Esther, sorry, Jean. Um, yeah. Maybe the, the box wine not as uncool as we think.
2: No, I mean it's 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 just it's just the Irish mentality. And again, you've got to remember that's my generation. You know, the 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 younger generation, they don't care. They really not no. that 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 doesn't it doesn't do it for them at all. So they're quite happy to put the box of wine and grand great. What's your problem? You know, so perfect. Great, good to see as well.
0: Another listener saying thank you for reminding me of my memories of Le Cave. Wonderful evenings there uh, with great wine and steak. From a now vegetarian who doesn't uh, miss the meat at all. And a few people have given out to me for having been pescatarian and slipped back. It was just too awkward is the only thing I'll tell you. Two kids at dinner time, it just it wasn't working, cooking two meals. So we're moving on to your second wine. Jean, what's yes. it going to be? Uh,
2: and the second wine is coming from Australia and it's, um. now I uh, the Australian wine industry has lots of larger than life characters and I've been lucky enough to meet quite a few of them. But I actually never actually met Chester he did a virtual online tasting, which was organised by Wine Online who have a series of them going at the moment. And um, so I met Chester through my computer. Um, he's a really well-known winemaker from South Australia. And to me, he's a bit of a rena- rena- re- renaissance man. His family have been in McLaren Vale for 140 years, and he did his first vintage in 1984. Um, but I mean, literally, in the last year, while Like, talk about making you feel uh, inadequate... In the last year, while we were all making sourdough and watching Netflix, he presented over 100 webinars and did virtual wine tastings, selling his wine all over the world. He has this amazing building which he designed himself on. It's called the Cube. It's based on the Rubik's Cube. And it's his kind of it's it's just you have to see it. It's phenomenal. Look, Google it and you'll find it. Um, he also, he's a sculptor, he, he he made a lot of junk art sculptures for his cube. He also has got a Salvador Dali exhibition in there at the moment, you know. Yeah. He also um, wrote a science fiction novel called The Unbelievable Grenache, you know. I mean, yeah. this guy is just, he's hes very clever and astute, but he downplays yeah. it all with great humor. But is he happy? And, Oh, God. he's got 76 <laughs> different wines, right? And some of them now, you'll love the names. He's got the Garden of Extraordinary Delights or the Fruit Bat or the one I loved, the Funky Farting Feral Fox.
0: Oh, God <laughs> That Almighty. is the names
2: of his wines, right? <laughs> so, like, he, you know, yes. I mean, he's just he's a character. He really is. But the one I'm going to feature today is his Darry's original Shiraz Grenache. It's a blend of 50% Shiraz, 50% Grenache, and it's he made it in an honour and it's named in honour of his dad, Chet, who's who's called Dari, who's actually still going strong at the ripe old age of 94. So anyway, this is the 2016 Darry's original Shiraz Grenache. It's 21.95. You'll get it in O'Briens, in Malloy's, McGinnis Wine Merchants in Dundalk. Wheelhan's Wines in Lachmanstown, Martin's in Fairview, WineOnline.ie, uh, Kelly's Wines in Clontarf, and drink store, to name just a few. It's it's, it's in lots of independent off licences. Um, so this is this the fruit for this is grown in um, McLaren Vale, which is about eight kilometres inland from the Gulf of Saint Vincent. So you've got a maritime influence in your um, vineyards. And I mean, he said in the in the talk like. The, the, the average temperature in the region is one degree lower than chateauneuf De pape Everybody thinks, you know, Australia must be hugely hot, but you've got all these mesoclimates. Now, in 2016, which is this particular vintage, they did have two heat waves, but When it came to the pivotal time, which was harvest, the weather cooled down and there was a lot of rain. So the flavor development caught up with the ripeness. So this is quite a restrained, earthy, spicy wine with a nice layer of chunky tannin. So this will work very well with lamb or beef. There's gorgeous, I mean, on the nose, it's quite subdued and quite subtle. But when you try it. You've got. Chocolate, black olives, dried herbs. Oh, it's gorgeous. Now, this, this is, it's 50% Grenache, so it's actually a medium-bodied wine. It's got, it, the alcohol is high. It's 14% ABV, so definitely something to go with your slow roast lamb. But, oh. um, like, I, 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 you know, I, I was looking for vegetarian options, and I found a lovely recipe, which I've actually made myself, aubergine um, stuffed with peppers and goat's cheese, and that would be great with this. So, yeah, that, would be sound know, that, amazing. This is, this is just a super wine. It really is. And, um, you know, punches way above its weight for, weight for the price and from a, a quite incredible ca- uh, character, Chester Osborne. Um, really, you know, I mean, he's just a ball of energy.
0: I, I still wonder, is he happy? It sounds like a lot of effort. <laughs> a, lot, a cry for help, I think, somehow is going on there now. Um, <laughs> Esther, we, we've one more. You're going to look at Minari now, are we?
1: Yes, let's have a look at that, yeah.
0: Okay, that's our little clip from Minari. 나, 나, 나.
2: 할머니는 진짜 할머니 같지 않아요. 할머니 같은 게 뭔데?
0: 토끼도 만들고 나쁜 말도 안 하고 남자 팬티도 안 입고.
2: 그래? 그럼? 하지 마! <웃음> 그럼 난
0: 산에서 온 이슬 물이나 갖고 와. 그거 마시자. 싫어. 싫어? 이리 와 이리 와 이리. 와. 아이고 프리티 보이 프리티 보이. I'm not pretty! I'm good looking! There you go, it's a bit, it sounds like it's slightly subtitled, but not entirely <laughs> subtitled. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'd say about. Um, just, I might, I'm just remembering that Granny, and we'll talk about her in a minute, but. Um, yeah, this. It's about. Uh, Seventy percent, I'd say, in Korean and uh, about 30 percent in English, because obviously the little kids have grown up in America and been raised there. And so they speak mostly English. Um, But this is just a joy, Tom. I I stole on the Oscar question earlier because I wanted to have a look at release dates. Yeah, it's a it's a weird year that was very of the eight Best Picture nominees. This year, most of them aren't available to audiences yet, but I would concur with Fanula on Judas and the Black Messiah. If you haven't seen it already, Um, I would say uh, watch out for the wonderful, wonderful Nomadland um, at the end of April. You'll be on Disney Plus from then. Um, And this one, Minari, is, is available today on several platforms, including Volta and IFI at home. It is just a joy. And I'll tell you, it's the kind of film, in my experience, people will throw stones at uh, because they'll go, it's not that, I mean, it's not that amazing. It's nice and all, but it's not that amazing. And the reason for that is there's a simplicity to the story here. It's a very subtle film um, and it's, you know, it's the, not the kind of shouty film that you often get in a, an award season. And that's what I loved about it. It's just it's for the times we live in as well. It's a very kind of healing Movie to watch, um, and it'll put a big smile on your face. Not least because of that little boy, um, David, who's um, the son of um, of this family who are kind of pursuing the American dream. Uh, they've been living in California, working in um, a chicken factory. But like Jacob, the dad is is who's played by Stephen Yun. Um, he's tired of long hours and the hard work and the feeling that he'll never have a proper home. Um, So they decide to kind of up sticks, really, and move up to um, the Ozarks up in Arkansas. So cinematography is amazing here, as you can imagine, in that region. Um, And his dream is kind of become a farmer and set up a business growing Asian food for other immigrants. Uh, He just wants stability. He wants a better future for his two kids. And he just, you know, he's he kind of has this dream but of course, when his wife, Monica, who is played by Yeri Han here, a beautiful, soulful performance from her, there's a real melancholy about her. Um, and she when she sees where they're expected to live, like it is basically a trailer and a very rundown one at that, um, a mobile home. Um, and, but and there's a patch of land at the back where he's hoping to, you know, um, set up this business with the help of. And here's, I suppose, the beautiful, subtle touches in this film, an example of it. Um, there, he's he's helped by a local man who's played by Will Patton, who is a Cor- yeah. Korean war veteran. Um, and he's the only person who offers to help this young family. And he's clearly suffering from um, post-traumatic stress. So there is love and healing right there. It's, it's right. barely referred to in the film. It's just a beautiful touch. Um, and it, so David, David is kind of struggling, the little boy, and not least when... Um, his grandmother comes to live with them, who there should be an honorary Oscar at this year's Oscars really? for Best Supporting Granny. And that should go to Yo, Yo Jung Yoon. Uh, she is a brilliant Korean actress. She's a bit of a legend, uh, but she right. is super here and she is a very contrary granny. Actually, the scenes between the two of them are actually like two children. Like she's a very silly woman, really? she's quite fatty. <laughs> doesn't do. He, you know, laments at one stage, grannies are supposed to bake and do grandmother things and you do none of these things and he has to share a, um, a room with her and, and objects to this because she she smells like Korea, is how he puts it <laughs> on stage. And um, it's just a beautiful. She's a great character, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful film. It's about hope. Is
0: this streaming? Is this available to see as yeah, for us over the weekend?
1: Yeah, yeah uh, from today, Volta and IFI, I watched it a few weeks ago. I cannot wait to watch it again. It, it, okay, it would cheer up your day watching this film. It's beautiful. It's about wanting a better life. It's yeah. about Very simple stuff. Really
0: sweet. Very good. It sounds it sounds magical. Um, Vanilla, before we let you go, there are stories going around about Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, she's been living in the witness protection program, basically. Is she?
3: <laughs> yeah. So she's a uh, she's actually in Godzilla V So she's promoting that flat out. And she said in a recent interview that she's never seen a Marvel, a DC comics, or a Harry Potter movie. Like none of them. <sighs> she said it's not her thing. And it's never come to a point where she's like, oh, I'll stick it on. She said she's more into the notebook and kind of romance films. And she's put this down to the fact that she's doing a lot of these kind of strange supernatural uh, movies. And she wants to see stuff that's real. But I mean, based off Esther's description of Godzilla vs. Kong, I don't think it gets more real than enormous monster gorillas and failed uh, geologists and Kyle Chandler. Like, that's as real as it gets to me, but... Anyway, she said her friends are really into Harry Potter and her friends don't really get how she's managed to avoid it, which neither do I. But, right. yeah. Right.
0: Esther, do you want yeah. to say, ah, lads, or will I? Ah,
3: <laughs> uh, lads. <laughs> Actually,
1: uh, you know, it's, it's so realistic, you could pos- possibly categorise it as a documentary, I have to say.
0: <laughs> Honest to God. Wait, what kind you, of young person? <laughs> what kind of young person is it's the notebook? It was a break. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I can't, I can't, you can't top that, Fanula. You can't top that. It has to be your, your final story. Um, thank you very much, uh, Fanula, Jean, Esther. Thanks very much indeed, as always, for joining us. That's it for Movies and Booze this week. And thanks to the team putting the show together. Amandine Devine, Claire Collins and Stephen McLoone. Mark Cagney is up next with the Heart Shoulder News Talk. Have a great weekend. Movies and booze on Moncrief. Brought
1: to you by Lidl's award winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie.